0: Heads up here at the top, this show takes on the issue of sexual assault in some detail. Take care of yourself while listening. If you're a woman who's been sexually assaulted or is fighting off internet trolls, if you've got an ex who's threatening to share intimate photos they took of you, there's one person you want to find. Carrie Goldberg. Carrie's a lawyer. She specializes in sex crimes.
1: I love it when they call me like a revenge porn lawyer because it suggests that like I'm sitting around doing revenge porn all the time. Um, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> Carrie likes suing people. And just as an aside here, if you Google her, you'll see she dresses for a success. Six inch stilettos, bright manicures, high fashion. For Carrie, going to court is a powerful
1: tool. But for years, she's been frustrated by what she can't do. My firm, I started in 2014. And, um, you know, over the years, I I can't count how many times we've had to turn somebody away from getting justice against their offender just simply because it was outside the statute of limitations. It's a cruel thing. Because it it takes many years, especially for for victims of, of trauma, to be ready and stable enough to want to confront their abuser.
0: Sometimes, when she can't sue, she'll send a formal letter to a person she'd like to bring to court. She'll suggest a remedy in dollars and cents.
1: And that works a surprising amount of the time. Even if there's not the legal teeth to do it, getting a lawyer letter can still be scary but fortunately now we can actually use the the leverage of filing a lawsuit for this next year Adult sex abuse survivors in New York have a second chance
0: to file lawsuits against their alleged abusers
1: CBS news Natalie Dudley says a bill
0: Carrie has this new leverage because of a law that just went into effect a few weeks back in New York state the Adult Survivors Act
1: now, under the Adult Survivors Act, victims over 18 will be given 12 months to file. For this one-year period...
0: The Adult Survivors Act has attracted celebrity accusers, women like E. Jean Carroll, who says Donald Trump raped her. Five different women say they now want to bring Bill Cosby back to court under this new law. Carrie says you're going to be hearing a lot more about fresh lawsuits over things that happened a long time ago.
1: We've heard from somebody who whose case was like three decades old. But I mean, I would, I would love if people in their 60s or 70s or 80s reached out to us and considered using the Adult Survivors Act because we know <laughs> that sexual assault is, is not a new thing and, and that it's you know it was probably a lot worse 60, 70, 80 years ago.
0: So what happens now? Today on the show, how New York opened up a new way to hold sexual abusers accountable. Will it work? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick around. New York's Adult Survivors Act uses something called a look-back window, a year-long suspension of the civil statute of limitations that allows people who may have been assaulted a long time ago the chance to go to courts and demand compensation. It is similar to what a lot of states did for survivors of child sexual abuse, but New York is only the second state to extend this opportunity to people over the age of 18. Carrie Goldberg says, it is the culmination of years of reform here. Lawmakers have outlawed revenge porn, gotten rid of the criminal statute of limitation for rape entirely. It used to be, if you were sexually assaulted in New York, you had just three years to file a civil case. Now, victims have two decades to go to the courts. But the problem is these new laws don't apply retroactively. That's where that look-back window comes in.
1: Because it's like, OK, if, if somebody gets sexually assaulted today, they may have decades to bring a case, whereas if they'd been sexually assaulted the day before, when that law passed, they'd have much shorter amount of time.
0: Yeah, I found this press conference from about a year ago with a group of women speaking out, urging New York's governor, who's also New York's first female governor, Kathy Hochul, to pass the New York Survivors Act. Uh, good morning. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm Liz Roberts. I'm the CEO of Safe Horizon, the nation's largest victim service agency. And it, it was interesting to me to watch because a couple things stood out to me. Like this advocate gets up and she says women need this look back window because as you've said, you know, survivors need time to deal with their abuse, sometimes need time to even acknowledge that what happened to them was abuse. We also know that our justice system has, quite simply, failed many survivors. And as you will hear from these courageous survivors, many of these challenges are even greater for survivors of color. She also notes that police don't often support sexual abuse survivors. Survivors like the three women, the four women standing here today, often have to fight twice as hard um, for twice as long to even have a chance that someone will listen and believe. um, But creating a new way for survivors to file civil lawsuits, it seems to me like it doesn't fix one of the fundamental problems here, the problem that police are not
1: bringing abusers to justice necessarily right yeah i mean it's not aiming to fix that you know the civil and the criminal justice systems really act separately you know there there's parallels but the criminal justice system is is all you know aimed at punishing the offender and the victim is is playing the role of a star witness you know has no control over whether a case is going to be investigated or brought or prosecuted or, or plea-dealed out. And so what the civil remedies are about compensating the victim for the harm that they sustained and the redistribution of money uh, from the wrongdoer to the to the victim. You know, that's what our civil justice system does. And, you know, we need, we need both, but this puts the, the victim in the driver's seat. The victim gets to decide what, whether to bring a case and the victim holds the offender by the you-know-what, gets to scare them. They're not at the mercy of uh, a DA who doesn't like sexual assault cases or is afraid to, to bring them because they might lose or the burden of proof is, is so high. You make it sound empowering. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it is empowering to be able to sue. Uh, that's what our courts are for. Uh, There's such... There's such stigma surrounding suing, Uh, you know, like anybody who's suing must be a gold digger, an opportunist. They're just out there for the money. Well, you know what? Like, yeah, they they deserve money. You know, if somebody sexually assaults you, like steals your autonomy and then traumatizes you for the rest of your life, they should have to pay. And in our society, as imperfect as it is, we pay with money. In our society, money is power. So absolutely, money should be taken from somebody who is disgusting enough to take away someone else's sexual autonomy and take control of their body.
0: Something else that stood out to me as I looked at the advocacy around the Survivors Act was how many of the women who were coming forward and saying that this tool would be useful to them were in a pretty privileged position. They were people like, politician Andrew Yang's wife who's spoken out about this and she's she's accused a New York gynecologist of assaulting her and then there was also a woman who accused music mogul Russell Simmons of raping her and so it was people who were in extraordinary situations where someone also had a lot of money that they could you know go after them and and seek some kind of financial restitution are these relatively privileged people really the, the ones who are going to seek accountability using this new look back law? And is that
1: right? Well, I, I agree that a lot of the activists who have been promoting the Adult Survivors Act, you know, E. Jean Carroll, um, Evelyn Wang, you know, the people that that you brought up, they are privileged people. And I, I think one of the things is that there's there's a lot of privilege and being able to step you know having the time and the power to step forward and advocate publicly because a lot of the people who are still working you know like hourly jobs and and don't don't have the ability to to take the day off work to go to go to a press conference those are the same people that could really really benefit from from this and from from the law and you know this isn't we, you know with with the Weinstein case and stuff we think of victims as as being victims of powerful people, but you know by far there are going to be more victims of sexual assault by you know people of of all classes and, and backgrounds and and sexual identities you know like black trans people are the most likely to be victims of sexual assault and There are institutions that are protecting their abusers that that need to be held liable, too.
0: One of the institutions that might be held liable by this new law is New York State itself. That's because a group of more than 700 formerly incarcerated women are hoping to use the Adult Survivors Act to bring their stories to light. Carrie Goldberg says she's even opened up a hotline staffed 24 hours a day to connect with new clients but it's still unclear how powerful this new tool is going to be. When I was reading about the Adult Survivors Act, I was struck by this one piece of data written up in the Albany Times Union. While hundreds of lawsuits were filed in the first few weeks of New York's Child Victims Act, only a few dozen cases were filed in the first few weeks of the Adult Survivors Act. So
1: I asked Carrie whether that says anything about the strength of this new law. I think a lot of it has to do with who the defendants are. You know, with the Child Victims Act, so many of the, the lawsuits were against um, Catholic Church, Archdiocese, the Boy Scouts of America. People with money. Yeah, institutions that had been turning a blind eye to the harm. And also, you know, a lot of those offenders were serial offenders. But I, I think with what we'll see with the Adult Survivors Act is that there will be more of a spread throughout the year of people filing them as word of mouth gets going more. And, you know, the other thing is that with the child victims act is that there's sometimes more of a community among the victims when it's a Catholic church or, you know, like when it's, there's a big institution. Whereas I think what we'll see with the adult survivors act is a lot more people are just, you know, um, walking into this on their own and, have not necessarily got an institution that they can also hold liable.
0: It sounds so hard, both because they're alone and because the remedy is maybe less obvious.
1: Right, right. Exactly.
0: You said something interesting when you were interviewed by Mother Jones about this new law. You said litigation isn't for everyone because it can be so emotionally taxing and grueling, especially because it deals with someone who may have caused you intense trauma. Can you just talk about what people who are considering filing lawsuits with you are considering when it comes to their own mental health and whether they actually are candidates
1: to move forward in this way? I mean, litigation is really emotionally tumultuous. You know, the the big, fun, exciting day is when you file the lawsuit because that's when your story is the only one that's out there and then very shortly after that comes comes the defense Hmm. and where they're going to pick your story apart i always say anybody who comes to me and i ask them what their goal is and they say justice you know i cannot (laughs) i cannot promise a client justice so what do you promise them instead I can say we can sue for money. Huh. We can sue for that person to be held responsible. But this is not going to be a Pollyanna experience where at the end of it, you're going to feel that justice was served in this like simple way. Litigation is, you know, in my opinion, the greatest equalizer in our society when it's working right. But but it is a gladiator match. Both sides will experience pain during litigation. And and any attorney that is taking these cases sure as heck better be explaining that to their clients.
0: When we come back, why this new law means Carrie Goldberg is feeling the pain of litigation more acutely than ever. She's a survivor herself. When New York passed the Adult Survivors Act, Carrie Goldberg had some decisions to make about how she'd promote her law firm, but also how she'd move forward herself. She was inspired to represent women dealing with sex crimes because of her own personal experiences with both revenge porn and a brutal sexual assault. And now, she is one of her firm's newest clients. It is very, very weird.
1: I, had, I filled out my intake form uh, the way that clients do. And then I was like, okay, when's when is somebody going to call me back? What's going to happen? What's going to happen?
0: Huh. Can you briefly summarize what happened?
1: I am going to, I, I'm not at a place where I can, I mean, I, I, I can't really talk about it um, comfortably. I, I, I matched with somebody on a dating app. Um, In 2012, and, you know, had a really horrific, (laughs) a really horrific experience.
0: In her book, Nobody's Victim, Carrie tells this story. I think it's important that I give you the broad outlines so you know about the kind of trauma Carrie's wrestling with. She alleges that she went on a date with a man, and after he gave her something to drink, she started to feel out of it. He brought her to an apartment where he didn't just have sex with her. He also poked her with needles. It was only when she got home that she realized he'd sutured a swastika onto her body.
1: You know, it's it's hard to talk about it. <laughs> um, I can talk about my clients and what happened to them. And it's a totally different emotional experience to talk about this. And I, I get what our clients are going through because it is, you know, a rape, uh, <laughs> it's hard to put language to it. And it's scary. It's scary to, like, the idea of suing is scary.
0: Yeah. I mean, listening to you, I I get a sense of how hard it must be to file these lawsuits. And it just raises this question for me of who exactly is going to be held accountable using the Survivors Act. Not because it's not a good idea, but just because it's so hard to get in the courtroom, retain counsel, sit for depositions, even if you're you, even if you do this
1: day in and day out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have to really want it. And, you know, I think that... The trauma itself can be the, the incentive. I think that carrying trauma around with you, um, you know, I kind of think of it as like this backpack that's always on, on your shoulders. And, you know, you can still be a really functional person and a high achiever and be able to compartmentalize the traumatic thing that happened to you. But it also can kind of be this little engine that has a life of its own and has been just taking fuel from you. And these cases really are about, you know, taking that trauma out of the backpack and flinging some of it back onto the perpetrator and saying, like, I shouldn't have to be carrying this burden alone. Like, you're the one who did this to me. You didn't even know me, but you did this to me. You fucked up my life and I've been carrying that around. And now I want you to feel the hell and the fear of, of being held accountable and having a public lawsuit against you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it also sounds to me that you're not saying that this new look back window or filing a lawsuit at all is going to help people sit down the backpack permanently in any way, though. It's just going to maybe make it a little less heavy, hopefully.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I sue for a living. So when I talk about the pains and rigors of litigation and, you know, the depositions and stuff, like it's important to also say that, I mean, I believe in this system and I believe that offenders should have to pay and that victims should walk away with all of their money and with the pride of having having taken taken it and like stepped into the court i don't call it justice because the money is never enough it never can take away what happened or or stop the memory it's always incomplete but that's not to say that there's not something really important and fulfilling about coming forward and holding the the other person accountable and showing to society that these are true harms, making a jury decide, you know, what value they they have financially. Those are all super important things. The more cases that we have that proceed forward, the more we teach society that these are true harms, that people have to pay a price if they dare commit.
0: The person who you're considering suing, were they ever criminally charged for what happened between you? No. If they had been, would that have... I don't know. Would it have changed things about where you are now in some way?
1: It's. It would have. I mean, like, if he were in jail, um, it would actually be harder for me to sue him, and he'd probably be judgment-proof
0: as a lawyer, do you see one punishment as more just than the other or more effective?
1: I think that the criminal justice system is probably, I mean, it, it's so discriminatory. You know, we've seen with so many predators that, you know, powerful predators get really expensive legal representation and they can avoid criminal sentences, you know, and historically that's been the case. And, you know, the civil justice system punishes them in a different way. With, with a criminal justice system that is as arbitrary and biased about what they will investigate and prosecute, they're pretty avoidant when it comes to taking cases to trial. And so they will settle out plea agreements, especially with people who have good representation, for pretty low s- sentences relatively.
0: Was that part of your calculus when you thought about what to do about this guy?
1: No, I was, I mean, I was not a victim's rights lawyer at the time. And I, it never occurred to me at the time. And I know this sounds weird, but I wasn't practicing in any area of law that was related. It didn't occur to me that, that he could be prosecuted. At the end of the day, victims don't get anything out of a criminal process And it's all about society punishing the criminal. And I wasn't willing to make that sacrifice for this person. And it's not the right decision. It's not the wrong decision. uh, But it was mine. And I respect people that go through the criminal system. I think it is very courageous and brave. And I also respect people that don't want to. How will you know if you're ready to file a lawsuit? I don't. I mean, like, I don't. I, I'm the the one-year time frame certainly gives me a kick in the pants to make the decision, and and also like, just because we have the ability to sue doesn't mean we have to take it. Like, a lot of clients might decide that they want to, you know, send a pre-litigation demand, give the person the opportunity to make things right prior to a lawsuit, you know, that's a viable path as well. And so right now I'm just kind of in that phase where I'm, I've am i committed to having a lawyer, um, having that lawyer reach out to my offender and, you know, see what happens next. Do you think they're going to be surprised to hear from your attorney? I have no idea. I imagine, like, I don't know if this person knows I exist. I mean, he did that night, but I don't have any idea. I don't know that he knows that I've gone on to start a victim's rights law firm. Um, You know, when he hears from my attorney, he might find this podcast and learn (laughs) a little more about uh, the impact. Yeah. Has anyone
0: ever said to you, because I could hear someone saying this, it's not fair to sue someone if you haven't taken the criminal path.
1: I hear what you're saying, and no one has ever said that to me. You know, and I, I think that if, if we had a criminal justice system that treated victims with kindness, then, you know, I think I would entertain that perspective a little bit more. Um, but and you know, we have a criminal justice system where the majority of sexual assaults that are reported are never prosecuted. And so I know that the system is really demoralizing and adds trauma to trauma. And so I don't, you know, like I don't think we can ever begrudge somebody from from deciding not to enter into that arena. Yeah. And just because you're the victim of a crime doesn't mean you owe society that much more of yourself. You've already paid. You've already paid through what happened to you. Um, that wasn't your choice. And so just I, I just reject that kind of judgmental perspective. And I, I really stand by the, the idea that wrongdoers have to pay and that in our society, money is how they do it.
0: Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really
1: grateful. Thank you so much, Mary. I really appreciate you talking to me.
0: <laughs> Carrie Goldberg is a victim's rights attorney for CA Goldberg Law. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Delshad, and Madeline Ducharme. We are getting a ton of support right now from Anna Phillips and Jared Downing, Victoria Dominguez, and Laura Spencer. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond. make sure I read all these ads every day, day in, day out. And I'm Mary Harris. Go track me down on Twitter. Say hello. I'm at Mary's desk. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.